Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome to another week of the Jack and Payne show with myself, Jack Revolt, and of course, Australian cricket captain Tim Payne right here on 1629 SEN Hobart or SEN Snowbart. We've had a bit of a dumping of snow over the week, uh, Payne, and you're right up there. You're, well, you're certainly a little bit higher than sea level where you are located, Just. mate. Uh, welcome to the show. Great to be here, mate. Looking forward to another big show, another big week of sport. Another big week of sport. And, of course, we are always brought to you by Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate specialists. Coming up on today's show, Brisbane Lion coach and proud Tasmanian Chris Fagan, the Cricket Australia chief selector, George Bailey. It's also been a big week for us, and we'll discuss that shortly. Plus, who could, who, how could we leave him off the intro? That is, of course, David Flash Lithgow with a story of Tasmanian sporting folklore. Payne, I want to pick your brain early on. I want to pick your brain early on about the Carter Report. We uh, obviously dropped last week uh, on Friday. We've had a little bit of time to uh, dissect it and yep. also to digest it. Um, what are your What are your thoughts after after a week of just hearing some commentary around it? And where yeah. is it currently sitting? Not a lot's changed. That's where I'm kind of sitting with it. Where I found it an interesting week. I thought initially the Carter review itself, I personally found quite positive. I thought he was all for it. Yes, he laid out um, a couple of options that, that Tasmanians didn't love. There's no doubt Tasmanians want that 19th license and a standalone team. Um, but I was surprised with some negativity around his report. I understood the negativity around the AFL's response to it. Um, I think we've kind of grown tired to that sort of response from the AFL, but personally I found the, the report pretty good. Um, again, though, the lack of a, of a timeline um, is, is a real sticking point for Tasmania. We want to see that light at the end of the tunnel. We want to see when it is possible. Um, but, yeah, all in all for me, the, the report itself I thought was, was pretty good. Um, as I said, though, the, the response from the AFL to try and, as Peter Gutwin said, kick the can down the road again was, was very disappointing. It is an interesting. It has been an interesting uh, response f- to it. Um, I, we've got a bit of audio here. I, I, Colin Carter just clearing up um, some of that, uh, some of the negativity around the actual license, nineteenth license versus the the uh, relocated team. Most of my paper is spent on establishing that the team is financially doable for the AFL. A nineteenth license does work. Um, and I think that's a really important because that's um, that's the the big threshold question that's never been addressed. And then, but there are risks attached to that. And I then note, um, as I was expected to, that there are other options which should be considered because they reduce the risks, like relocation and possibly even that joint venture. It doesn't mean to say they should be accepted, but um, they are ones of reducing the risk. From the, but the threshold question is: yes, Tasmania should be represented. I think, yeah, take it as you will. I'm, I'm, as you are, I'm really bored hearing that 
and the way it was presented early on the, with the rumourings even the night before last uh, like the report was released last Thursday night that there was the negativity around his was leaning towards more of a uh, more of the the second or third option which of course was a relocated team and then um, a merged team with a Tasmanian ownership base but you can hear from the audio there Payne, that that he he clearly thinks that post covid uh, and, and the impact that COVID's had financially in the AFL, that it's viable to have that 19th licence, which I think every Tasmanian is, is crying out for. Oh, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be huge to have the Tasmanian, the map running around on, on Blunston Arena, be hugely supported? That, that's where I think the other the sticking points are with the other two. One, that Tasmanians don't want a team to come down, and two, a team doesn't want to relocate. There's, there's, it's been tried, it's been talked about for a long time, merges and moving clubs historically just hasn't worked. And and down here, I think there's there's no chance it'll be supported. But I think in his in his report, he, he had to outline different options. That, that was part of it. I think where people have got a little bit angry is they feel that he has been pushed down that path to try and push option uh, two or three, which is um, which is not what we want. I don't know what, you, what your take on is that, but that was mine, that... People are disappointed because they feel that Colin Carter's maybe been pushed in that direction. Yeah, I think just the lack of the timeline is probably the one thing that's 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 added to the negativity, and then that's maybe led people to the more negative answer in terms of whether a team's viable. After the break, a well, a very very senior figure in Tasmanian footballing culture and current coach of the Brisbane Lions, Chris Fagan. This is Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. That's right, Payne, back here on the Jack and Payne show right on SEN Hobart. And our next guest is, well, is that, well he's one of the the most important men, the most 18 most important men in the AFL landscape, and that will be scaled down down to eight after this weekend's uh, round of games as we head into finals. But most importantly, he's a very hardened Tasmanian. Uh, he's current, the current Brisbane Lion coach, and of course he's a member of the Tasmanian Hall of Fame. That is, of course, Chris Fagan. Chris, welcome to Jack and Paney. Uh, thanks for having me, boys. It's uh, good, good to have a chat. Now, before we get on to chatting about your, your Tasmanian football life, with the current COVID crisis, mate, and uh, every state shutting their border left, right and centre, where, where do you currently come from? Are you in Brisbane with the boys? Yes, yeah, so we're in Brisbane at the moment. We're living under the AFL protocols. So basically, you know, we live at home, go to the Gabba, and we can go for a walk and grab a coffee from somewhere, but we can't go, can't pretty much do anything else. So uh, it's understandable, I guess. It's a bit risky at the moment. So that's our life. It's not too bad. It could be worse, I reckon. Dan Fags, mate, obviously Tasmanian, as we've touched on, grew up on uh, the gravel of the Queenstown Oval, mate. What sort of impact has, has Tasmanian football had on your life and, and your career? Oh, massive, really, Tim. Uh, you know, growing up in Queenstown, was, it was actually a fantastic place to grow up. When I lived there, it was quite a big town, had about 10,000 people there, and you could play every sport you wanted to play as often as you wanted to play it. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the older guys around there that, that played senior footy were were good men that would take you under their arm and teach you how to play the game. And my old man was a coach. Austin, he was a coach around there. So um, I had a fantastic uh, upbringing in sport, I'd have to say. 
Um, and then obviously my family moved to Hobart and uh, just continued on down there. But I, you know, I've treasured all the opportunities that I had in football in Tasmania, uh, the coaches that I had that were, were influential on me and um, a lot of the players I played alongside. So uh, uh, I have very fond memories of my times down there and uh, sometimes I wish I was still that age and still doing those things. Don't we all, folks? Don't we all? Uh, one thing I'm very <laughs> jealous of what you do for the Brisbane boys and you've done for, for a while now is you actually take the um, take the boys down. Your, your pre-season camps have been based uh, predominantly out of Hobart, but certainly out of Tasmania. Have you ever taken the boys up to, to Queenstown? Because I know that one of the pet hates of, of AFL coaches and, and, and football coaches is players going to ground. Have you ever taken them to Queenstown <laughs> and showed them what, what the gravel looks like? And this is how you don't go to ground, because if you go to ground, you're definitely going to feel it. I've thought about it, Jack, um, I must admit, because that's one thing you do learn from a young age down there is do not fall over, because if you do, you cut your legs open. Um, Oh, look, you know, yeah, we have had camps, a couple in Lonnie and, and uh, a couple in Hobart. Uh, good time of the year, January in, in Tasmania, so we've, we've really enjoyed that. And I suppose one of the things, I, you know, in all honesty, I would have liked to have done is take them around there and show them back around and let them have a training run on it because it's a, it's quite a unique experience. Um, but uh, we, it's, a, it's a fair drive to Hobart, as you, uh, to Queensland, as you know, so I uh, sort of haven't been able to make that trip, but maybe one day we'll get there. I've actually yeah, been there and had sure a kick pony on. Players. Handling that, Jack. No, I've been How there and had a kick on, on Queenstown. <laughs> I've had been there and had a kick on Queenstown. I don't know what sort of bounce it would have on the wicket, though, for a seamer, but it's, uh, it's one thing you have to do. It's no, it's no good on moulded sole boots, Jack. It's right. no good on moulded sole boots. They don't last very long. Balls don't Screw-ins. last very long. And, the, and cricket, cricket on the gravel, the new ball is gone in no time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. If there's one place in the world it's going to reverse swing, it's got to be Queenstown, doesn't it? <laughs> be a chance, I suppose. <laughs> Very early. Now, mate, um, yeah. just touching on your own playing career here, 263 games for Hobart, Sandy Bay and Devonport. Two TFL flags uh, represented Tasmania on 11 occasions and people probably forget that you're actually the inaugural coach of the Tassie Mariners back in the day. Can you remember those early days of, of the Tassie Mariners, some players you coached um, and some fond memories of those times? Yeah, look, it was a great... Um, Honour the coach, the Tassie Mariners, to be honest. I, um, I was a school teacher at the time and I always was trying to work out a way I could work full-time in footy because I, I loved it that much. And um, the opportunity came along to, to coach the Tassie Mariners and be the state director of coaching. And I was lucky enough to, to get the job and uh, um, I wonder what I got myself into. The first year, we got, I think we won one, uh, two games for the year, the first game and the last game, believe it or not. And it was... Um, uh, well, we were a long way behind the, the Victorian teams who were very strong at the time. and um, But it was a wonderful thing for Tassie football because we adapted and got better. And, you know, the next year we, we uh, I think we won the under-18 championships in Division 2 for the first time and, and uh, made finals in the TAC Cup. Uh, there was a final played at Bell Reve Oval. I reckon 10,000 people turned up, which is that no, no, no one could imagine in TAC Cup footy that that many people would turn up, but they did in Tassie. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a fantastic um, opportunity. I loved every moment of it. Uh, there was there was some good players that came out of that uh, particular time. Uh, you know, Russell Robertson is one that um, jumps into my mind. He was uh, yep. he was literally. a member of that team and went on to play. Uh, yeah, literally, he went on to play a couple of hundred games at Melbourne. I was lucky enough to coach him there. Uh, Brody Holland was another player. Uh, Jared Bennett. Uh, Daniel McAllister, I think I think we had Benny Burns. I think we had about eight or nine players drafted in my second year, so that was really exciting, either on rookie or, or senior lists. And uh, yeah. you know, Brad Green came along a little a little bit later, but some 
some very, very good players uh, that ends up having great careers in the AFL. And, uh, you know, whenever I see them, we have had that experience together and we often we often talk about it. Um, Brady Rawlings is another one. I remember, you know, Brady, him turning up to Penguin Sports Complex for, for, for squad training on the northwest coast. He was 15 at the time and I looked at him and thought, geez, you're pretty good. And I walked up to him on the first night of training. I said, oh, how many games do you actually play for the Mariners this year, mate? And he goes, oh, I don't reckon I'll play any. I said, well, you played in the first game. And uh, he played every game thereafter and was uh, was drafted as a bottom age uh, uh, guy and ended up, you know, playing. Well, did he get to 300 games in North Melbourne? He must have got close. He had, he had a really good career anyway. It would have been would have been really close, but certainly now and yeah. now a prominent figure in in North at North Melbourne is a, a yeah, general is. manager yeah. as well. This manager, yeah. Um, yeah. folks, the, the the biggest news at the moment in in Tasmanian football has been the the Colin Carter report into Tasmania and their their own team. Have, have you read the report? And if you have, what have you what have you made? Of even the commentary that's that's been around at the moment. Yeah, I, I must admit, Jack, I have got a copy of it on my computer and I haven't had a chance to read it, so I, I, that's bad of me. But I, I'll tell you, I, I'm really glad that he said that we should have a team. That's the first thing. Um, uh, uh, that's, that's step number one, I guess. Um, how it eventuates is the, is the age-old problem that nobody seems to be able to solve. Um, you know, somebody has to bite, a, bite the bullet on, on some decision-making there, I think, but... Um, uh, hopefully at some point in time they might be able to put a little bit of a deadline on it and say well it's going to happen by this date and so you know the infrastructure can start to be put together for the team and yeah, and, and, and what form the team's going to take I would have thought it will be hard to be a start up team but um, maybe the way that it goes personally I would have thought for life that we'd, I'd relocate um, another AFL team to Tasmania but I know that's not very for any club that's name might be mentioned in that regard. But they'd certainly be well off and looked after down there. And, you know, I've always thought, and Tim's been the beneficiary of this, but Paddy's had his team in the in the Sheffield Shield for as long as I can remember. And as a result, we've produced some absolutely fantastic cricketers. And I just honestly believe if there was a, a Tassie team um, based in, obviously in Tasmania, that the number of kids that would come through would suddenly grow again and uh, we'd see more Tasmanians playing AFL footy because... Right now, I'm a little bit worried at the grassroots level down there that the young guys can't see the can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, which the Tassie Mariners used to create for them a little bit, but uh, now that's not there. So I'm I'm hopeful that it'll get there. There's obviously, a lot of work to be done. Um, um, the government's obviously right behind us. They're probably getting frustrated that they can't get a, a direct answer and a timeline, but uh, hopefully we'll persevere and get there in the end. The other one off the back of that is, is there any, and the, I suppose you were coaching the Mariners and then you went into probably more of the director of football and, and the step back from, from the coaching panel, but you've, you've you've taken on that coaching role with Brisbane and something that's fired up later in, in your career. Is Would, would it be tempting to, to be the inaugural coach if, if that opportunity arose of a Tasmanian team? Oh. I've never actually thought about it, Jack. Um, I mean, it probably could take another six or seven years, and by that time, I won't be too far off 70. So uh, <laughs> I might be a bit old, mate. Some of the great coaches are at um, 70. Yeah, I, I, you, you, never le- you never stop learning, Fags. <laughs> yeah, I know that, Jack, but uh, I don't know, mate. It'll be, it'll be fantastic to have an involvement uh, of some description in it if it, was, if it all worked out. But, um, um, you know... Even just helping to set it up so that it's on a good, on a good foundation, I think, is pretty important. But uh, it'll just all depend on uh, 
how long it takes, I guess, and whether I'm still, uh, you know, got all my marbles, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I'll, I'll put a good word in because I know Jack's going to be heavily involved. He's been telling us a bit. But, uh, <laughs> mate, your Jack? <laughs> Pardon? List manager, Jack? Which, which role are you going for, mate? Uh, if I'm this no, manager, I'm picking myself in the first round, fake, so I can play. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm yeah, certainly right. trying to get into to Gill and, and Peter Gutwin. I reckon we can get aside next year or the, maybe two years away. I've got one more left at the Tigers and then roll down there on the sort of Luke Hodge contract that, that we've seen up in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked. He, he's helped us enormously. So, Big time. Uh, perhaps you could pass on all your knowledge to young Tasmanians, mate. wouldn't be a bad thing. Now, Fags, uh, your boys at the moment looking like they're coming good at the right time. You had a, an interesting month, a, a tough month, form-wise, um, but look to have turned the corner right at the right time of the year. Um, how do you see your tracking and, and how do you compare it, I suppose, to your last couple of finals campaigns, um, same time sort of the last couple of years? Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit different this year. Obviously, we, we lost games early, well, one and three, and must admit to being a little bit worried. All the, all the historians are saying it's pretty difficult to make finals some from that sort of uh, start, but uh, you know, credit to the to the players, they've they've uh, turned all that around and we've we've managed to get ourselves there. Um, then we had a bumpy road again, you know, five weeks ago when the St Kilda and the Tigers beat us, and I think we beat Gold Coast in between losing to Hawthorne down in Tassie. So it was three three losses in four weeks again, and yeah, you sort of start to wonder where's our form gone. Um, but as it turned out, the the loss against Hawthorne, we, we kicked eight goals to one in the last quarter and just re-found a little bit of our mojo, I suppose, and we're able to then go to Perth. Uh, we spent the week over there in the build-up to playing three-man, that just gave us a little bit of time together to, to just uh, reassess things, I think, and, and reset our goals. And, you know, I said to, I showed the players a lot of positive vision of them playing really well this year and probably, you know, when, when you're locked up in, uh, in hotels, it's better off go down the positive pathway than the negative pathway I think so uh, we did that reminded them of how good they'd been and, and uh, fortunately they hit their straps against Fremantle and were able to continue that on last week against Collingwood so our last two weeks we've, you know, we've scored heavily, we've defended well um, and we'll get another chance this weekend to sort of try and build on that against West Coast up here on, on Saturday night so hopefully we can keep it going. Um, I think the difference between this year and previous years is we've hit the finals in the last two years on the back of a lot of wins in a row. And I felt like, to some degree, our form was sort of on the taper when we hit finals. This year, I feel a little bit different. I feel like we are actually on the up. And I reckon, um, I, I honestly think, too, that the form that we've, that we've showed at different times this year is, is a, a cut above anything we've done in the previous two years. So if we can reproduce that um, on a regular basis over the next few weeks, I think we're... A, we're a good chance to be competitive against all teams that are currently there. So, um, um, yeah, there's a bit of optimism around the club, I'd say. Fags, I certainly think that at the moment you, you, you're right with the way you guys are preparing for finals and, and clearly previous experiences have led to you guys being well prepared to, to go in. But the, the top four is, is so vital to get that double crack at going as deep as you can in the finals. How closely do you do you watch the, the Dogs and, and Port game? Uh, clearly, that's the one where if the Bulldogs... Uh, sorry, if Port win, um, I think you guys are able to make the top four. Are you, are you sitting there and yeah. cheering, or are you just going business as usual? Well, I've been very tempted to ring up Kenny Hinkley this week and ask him, does he want any assistance with uh, <laughs> the, defeating the Western Bulldogs? Um, oh, look, mate... Two weeks ago, I didn't think we had a chance to, to finish in the top four. So I'd, 
you know, we'd resigned ourselves to that fact and we're just looking to try and play our best, the best footy that we could and, you know, hopefully finish fifth and get a home final and, and sort of, you know, take it from there. But um, as it's turned out, we've had a, I think we've won by about a combined total of 150 points the last couple of weeks. So our percentage has really shot up and I think we're only 1% or so behind the dogs. So, and, and, and in with a realistic chance. So, uh, oh, look, I'll be watching on Friday night. Um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one for the players, isn't it? How they, how will they feel if the dogs win and how will they feel if the dogs lose? That shouldn't make any difference to us, but um, um, obviously it'll be nice to be playing on Saturday against the West Coast knowing that if we win, uh, we can jump up into fourth spot because you're, you're right, there's no doubt it's better to be in the top four than in the, the bottom four of the eight. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, one more before we do let you go. Uh, Jack touched briefly on the Luke Hodge contract. Now, obviously, you've got some contacts back to Hawthorne. Hodge, uh, Birchall, another Tasmanian. Have you reached yep. out to your mate, Alistair Clarkson, and can you fit him into your soft cap? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've actually I, I to hear he's available. Out. Yeah, look, wouldn't, wouldn't it be good to have him at your club? He's got so much knowledge and uh, coaching skill. I, I've had a few conversations with him um, over the last few weeks. Um, I'm sort of really... Dis- I understand that coaches, their time runs out at various clubs. I'm just really disappointed in the way that it's, it's happened at Hawthorne. I reckon... If anyone deserved to go out in, in a pretty uh, good way with not too much controversy, it would be Clarko, but it seems like that hasn't been able to be the case. So, because uh, uh, his contribution has been amazing. I don't, I don't know whether people can remember what Hawthorne were like when he first turned up, but they were in all sorts of financial trouble and things weren't good. And now they're a, they're a powerhouse and really, really wealthy club on the back of winning a lot of flags. And, you know, probably gone from having 30,000 members to 80 or 90,000 members. So it's, his contribution has been uh, enormous, and uh, you know I'm really grateful for the fact that that I um, was able to to work with him, and I learned a lot off him. And uh, um, yeah, it'll be as you say, it'll be good to have him up here. But he's always there for a bit of advice and a and a bit of mentoring. And uh, you know I hope the Hawks can win a game for him this week. I know that they're playing your team, Jack. But I'll, Calm I'll, down, I'll folks. Hope for, <laughs> I hope that's for Clarko. Uh, I finished on a strong note, which is. Uh, which is fitting, um, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a star of a coach, and uh, hopefully he bobs up somewhere else uh, in the not too distant future. Maybe maybe he might have a spell next year, but um, uh, with a bit of luck, he'll, he'll be back coaching someone, and they'll be a pretty hard team to beat, no doubt. Well, folks, thank you for joining us, uh, and for all the Tasmanians out there and the people of Hobart listening to this, if your side is out of the finals, the Lions aren't a bad team to follow because not only is their coach a great Tasmanian, you've got Grant Birchall, Mitch Robinson, I think you've got a few assistant coaches there, Zane Littlejohn, who's an ex-North Lonnie boy, he's coaching as well. Uh, So the Brisbane Lions are, I would say, the breeding ground for Tasmanian talent, folks. So thank you for joining us, mate, right here on SCN Hobart. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks, boys. There you go, Paney, the coach of the Brisbane Lions uh, who cut his teeth and probably his shins and his knees at the Queenstown Football Club growing up. Well, we're going to head to a break, but after this, we've got more right here on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. And welcome back to Jack and Paney right here on SEN Hobart. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate specialist. Paney, well, it's been a, it has been a big, big week in the Australian cricketing scene. And, of course, the 
elephant in the room, mate, is the murmurings around Justin Langer. Yep. And uh, and everything that's come of him, it started as a, a small little report from Bangladesh. And next thing you know, we've got every cricket writer in Australia, if not over the world, having their say on Justin Langer and his coaching style, mate. Where's, uh, as Australian cricket captain, you're certainly privy to a little bit more than the rest of us, mate. How, how's it sitting at the moment and, and where do you see it at? Yeah, look, he's no, no hiding from it. It's been a tough week. Um Certainly a lot tougher for Justin Langer than it has for anyone else. Um, as you said, I think from a, a story out of Bangladesh about a, an argument with a, a, an in-house journo um, and then for it to open up a lot of sort of old wounds um, in the media, um, albeit some had, had certainly been leaked from, from where we think is inside. Um, disappointing in that. Um, but at the end of the day, look, we've, we've had discussions. Um, the stuff that was reported, if we're totally honest, wasn't anything new this is stuff that's been dragged up from from an ashes series um two or three years ago and um you know we've had ongoing discussions with jail jail's had ongoing discussions with me and his players about us always wanting to get better and um it's just been a bit of a shame i think in the last week that, that a lot of the failings around australian cricket have been pinned on on jail um that's certainly not the case we, we haven't lived up to our own standards on the field uh, we haven't won enough games of cricket and then i think that's pretty much put us all under pressure um, but that's that's the world we live in we, we're playing professional sport you judge really harshly when when you don't win um, we've clearly had a bit of a rough trap with with white ball cricket uh, the red ball team hasn't been playing um, so there's been a lot of a lot of sitting around a lot of chatting but um, but yeah we've had some some really robust conversations um, amongst our leaders in the last few days and um, and we're really looking forward to the next six months with JL, uh, we're looking forward to the World Cup and we're looking forward to the Ashes. It's an exciting period for any cricketer. Um, and if anything, I think now we head into those tournaments and, and that series um, even more galvanised and, and even more together. Yeah, uh, well, as, as cricket captain, and, and clearly uh, well, a lot of people think that it's the second most important job in Australia behind the Prime Minister. I'd argue they're probably the most important job at the moment. Um, how involved are you as, as captain? Because you, you're not a you're not a director, you're not a CEO. You're just a sports person that's the captain of the yep. team. Are you in the nitty gritty, or do you take a step back from from everything that's been going on? Well, no, absolutely, I'm in there. There's no doubt about that. I think anything that's that's cricket related and Australian cricket team related and, and Test team in particular related is is I, I have to be in there. I, I am the captain of the team. I, I have to be in there giving um, my my thoughts, my players' thoughts. Um, you know, we have to be always bouncing things around. I mean, you, it's no different with you, mate. With with footy, it's it's a high performing environment, and you're always looking for ways to get better. And um, whether that's through my leadership, whether that's through Justin's leadership, whether that's through, you know, Nick Hockley and Earl Eddings, we we are all on the same page. We're all trying to get better. Uh, we want to make Australian cricket as great as it it always was. Uh, we want to be the best team in the world, and and to do that, we have to have some tough and robust conversations and we've certainly done that as a senior group um, in the last 24 to 48 hours and as I said we've come out of it really pumped about what's ahead of us in the next six months. It's been an interesting, I suppose it's an interesting time with, with COVID and the fact that JL I think currently is in, um, sorry Justin Lang is currently in quarantine in Adelaide. What sort of yeah. contact have you had with him over the last period of time? Have you spoken face to face a lot and, and if so how's he, how's he holding up? Yeah, well, I think, he, as, I, as I said right at the start, it's certainly been a difficult week for him at the start. I mean, if you can imagine someone sitting in a room for, for 14 days 
reading this sort of stuff coming out all the time, it's it's it would have been bloody difficult. But again, it was it was important that you know myself, Aaron Finch, um, Pat Cummins, and the leaders of Australian cricket got around him, discussed things that needed to be discussed, um, and then got around him and, and supported him and looked to move forward. And yeah, there's no doubt the week's been difficult for him, but. Um, yeah, as I said, the last few days we've really been able to, to galvanise around him um, to have some, as I said, really robust discussions on where we want to take this cricket team, um, what we expect of him and what he expects of us. And, um, you know, I've said it many times, the, the World Cup, T20 and the Ashes are probably two of the biggest things that any Australian cricketer and any Australian coach wants to be a part of. And, um, yeah, and we're all on the same page and we can't wait to get started on, on both of those huge projects for us. Speaking of that, that's that leadership group there. Um, what what do you do to move forward now as a, as a playing group? Like all the politics aside, do you? What's the captain's role like in terms of just getting galvanising the group? Is there is there anything you're looking forward to doing, or is it just basically a WhatsApp text to say, yeah. "Hey guys, this is what's happening. This is how we're moving forward." What do you do as, as skipper? Yeah, well, I think in, in the next few days, there's no doubt with, with what has gone on, we'll, we'll be looking to get the group together, whether that's in, in small groups on a, on a Zoom call or um, it's obviously impossible to get face-to-face at the moment with half of our team in quarantine in Adelaide and the other half in lockdown in New South Wales. So um, it's, one of the, it's one of the real challenges of, of the Australian cricket team. We, we don't walk into a club room on a, on a Monday morning for recovery and your CEOs upstairs and your, and your coaches down the hallway. We are literally all over the world. We've got guys playing in the IPL. We've got guys in different leagues around the world. So the logistics of it are a challenge. Um, but as I said, what we're doing this week is, is trying to get everyone on on a number of calls, um, take them along for the journey that, that, that what we have discussed and decided on over the last few days on how we want to take this team forward. And, and obviously Aaron Finch will have a huge part to play with, with the white ball team and the white ball side of that in the 2020 World Cup. Uh, and I'll have a, a huge say and, and, and role in that with um, the Test Match team. And, and Pat Cummins, obviously, is our vice-captain, sits in between. But, um, yeah, the, the next few days is about getting around all those players, being really clear on, on what we expect of each other. Uh, again, touching on what we have discussed with, with our leaders around Cricket Australia and, and making sure that everyone is on board for the journey. And finally, mate, how much are you looking forward to actually getting out and playing cricket rather than playing through the papers? Oh. Yeah, I can't wait. I must admit, I actually was talking to someone yesterday and I think it's in the last 12 months we've played four test matches as an Australian cricket team, which is which is such an extraordinary small amount of cricket. Um, we got blokes that are just jumping out of their skin. Obviously, the, the COVID's been affecting all kinds of sport, but um, you know, cricket's gone on around the world. England have played a lot of cricket. We've missed so much cricket. Uh, we can't wait to get back into it. Um, and as I said, for, for us as players to have these two tournaments in a, in a World Cup uh, and an Ashes. We haven't been playing as well as we'd have liked in the last 12 months in both formats of the game, um, but these are the two tournaments that, um, you know, this is like final series for us, Jack. These are the, these are the ones you want to play in. These are the ones the big players want to stand up in. Um, and as I said, mate, we absolutely cannot wait to, to take the field again. Glad you brought up India and England there, and uh, obviously England will be coming up for the Ashes at the end of the year, and that's the next Red Bull cricket we will see. Um, yeah. What did you make of the Indian uh, the Indian win on the last day over there at Lords? I absolutely loved it. I don't know if you saw much of it, but I actually tweeted. I was awake that. I morning. saw Javo. I saw Javo out on the pitch. <laughs> that was how good was that? That was one of the greatest. Did, that was pretty I've well handled as well, life. wasn't it? No need to yeah. handcuff him, throw him on the ground. I just loved the fact when he pointed to his shirt and said, "Mate, I'm, I'm playing for India," and then walked away as if he was encouraging his fielders. Was one of the greatest. It was fantastic. If you're going to actually run onto a cricket field or a sporting field, which we certainly don't promote, that's the best I've ever seen. 
no doubt about that. But I, I did stay up and watch it. I was enthralled by the contest, to be honest. That was, um, as I tweeted that night, that was just pure test match cricket. Um, I know you, Jack, you're a, you're a purist. You love the red ball. But I'm a the purist, battle, yep. The skill on show on day five, the fight from the Indian tail, who, let's be honest, when we saw him bat in Australia, weren't that, that flash, but they dug in. India had a, England had a crack at him. It's, it felt like physically and verbally they tried to challenge the Indians, which is probably a tactic that a lot of countries have used over the years, but just shows the growth in their team and the confidence that they've now got around, you know, Virat Kohli, uh, Rishabh Pant brings a real bit of punk, um, and, a, and a number of other players. So I, I loved watching it. Um, Look forward to the next test match. But, mate, it hasn't just been a big week for me. It's been a huge week for you, uh, a huge week for the Richmond Footy Club, a strange week, I would imagine. I mean, I know mathematically finals are still on the table, but <laughs> it's unlikely. And, you know, it's got to be strange. For, for someone and a, and a club and a team that has done what you guys have done in the last four or five years to be looking at having the most important month of football off, it's got to be strange, and how have you reflected on it, and, and what do you put it down to? Oh, it's been—it certainly has been strange, um, and even just the back end of this season's been a little bit strange as well. We've had a lot of injuries, and uh, yeah. we haven't had—we haven't had a uh, yeah, we haven't had uh, I suppose a, a clean run at it for most of the year, and even doing quarantine in Perth a few weeks ago, just a whole week over there. Um, yeah, it's got to be—it's going to be really strange uh, running out there on the, well tomorrow and. and um, Finishing up the season, knowing the the actual finish date and and when you're going to um, not play footy and then sit back and watch finals and and whatnot, which which we've been involved in deep for the last four four years. So, um, look, I think to be honest, there's a little bit of um, we're obviously really disappointed that we're not going to play finals and um, and that really hurts. But it's also the way we're looking at it is it's a great chance for us to to rejuvenate as well. Like we've we've been yeah. deep into September now for for four years and played nearly a, a, another whole season of football more than a lot of teams have over that four-year period and, and even last year. Do you think that's added to your injury problems? Is, is that uh, something that you've discussed internally? Because you you, you've played more football than other clubs. Is, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think it's probably, it's probably worn, I think, on the mental side of things. Even last year, you look at when we finished, we actually finished uh, end of October, so had had a month and a half off and then we're back into it again on a shortened pre-season yeah. Um, so that, that, that mental toll is sort of worn thin. I actually spoke to Jordan Lewis about what it was like for Hawthorne through their successful period as well. And he just said, it's the hardest thing to, to continue to get up and, and, and get going when you do go that little bit longer whilst the, the rewards are so great and, and, and you yeah. continually want to try and do it. It does, it does, uh, wear on you and, and physically probably not, not getting a full pre-season into, to some of our younger kids who haven't played a lot of footy, I think. We spoke about um, Thompson Dow, who's a young kid who we drafted uh, two years ago. He's played in eight games for points, and that's at AFL and VFL level. So <laughs> some of the, the development, unfortunately, has just gone by the wayside just due to the fact that there hasn't been a competition. Um, so a soft cap has been cut, so a lot of development coaches have, have lost their jobs. So, I mean, for us, it's probably a perfect storm. We, a lot of things go wrong. We've had a lot of guys be, being injured, and we just haven't played well enough as well. So... Yeah. Bit disappointing, but um, yeah. looking forward to, to watching the f- the finals over the um, the back end of the season there and seeing who does come out on top. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, I don't know if you've listened, but your cousin Nick likes to use a term that I've heard him say a lot in the last few weeks, and that's that the belly's a little bit full. Is that is that something that's real for you? Have you sensed that at the club? Um, 
And and if not, do do you feel that you guys after a, another strong preseason time to recharge, not having to play these finals, do you, do you see yourself pushing straight back up the ladder and contending again next year? Certainly, uh, I don't think. That, I, I think what Rui's trying to say there is that uh, are we are we content with what we've done? And, and well, once you've been to the top, you you actually you see what it's like, and you get to taste that success, and it's and it is so so fulfilling that. It's, it, you can't you can't just be content with, with one or, or two or three or however many you always want to get out there and compete and win again and there's always guys that miss out so we, we've got a group of guys that have played in three we've got a group of guys that have played in two premierships and then we've got I think one or two blokes maybe only one at the club who's played in, in one grand final so and a whole, a whole host of young kids that have come into a really successful football club that have never played in, in, in a premiership and haven't played a lot of footy for the football club so they're the ones that you really want driving your program. Um, and I, I, I firmly believe that once we get a really good pre-season block into to some of our guys, and, and um, there's no secret to if you have a good pre-season, you actually, and this is from an individual point of view for the players, if, if you if you can do 80 to 90% of a full pre-season, it generally sets you up for for being relatively injury-free over, over the break, over the season. So... Um, we go back, we have a rest now, we, we, we take some time off, we, we recoup, we hopefully get our boys back to their, their home states, which is going to be a little bit of a difficult issue with obviously border closures at the moment, but we look forward to attacking season 2022 and, and the best blueprint for us is 2016 and the way we, we came out after that season, which was, was really poor and, and then the rest is history really. Absolutely, you'd be a brave man to be betting against the Tigers next year, that is for sure to bounce back now mate. Basha Hawley, David Asprey, two great Richmond men, pulled their boots up for the last time this week. What are your thoughts on those? They're obviously, you know, premiership teammates, close mates of yours, had unbelievably good careers. Uh, what do you want to say about them? Yeah, look, um, obviously it's disappointing when, when you leave, lose uh, players to, to retirement, but when you lose great characters, it is even harder to, to, to stomach. Um, it's also really hard to replace good characters around a sporting environment or any environment for that matter. So... With those Basha Hawley, who is is the face of diversity, along with Eddie Betts, in terms yeah. of the way they push the game um, and just spread the love, really. And, and Basha's been an amazing player, uh, and we were very grateful to, to to get him across from. Yes, and I think we actually guaranteed him that he'd be playing Bombers. in the midfield when we first got him across from your <laughs> Bombers painting, and then sent him straight to to half back. But arguably, could be a Norm Smith medalist uh, if you ask the right people. They probably say that in 2017 he, he should have won that Norm Smith medal, but yep. he uh, he leaves our football club, but he certainly won't be lost to to our football club. He runs the Basher Hawley Foundation out of out of Richmond, and he'll be involved uh, with a lot of things through the AFL as well with um, with integrating young young Muslim kids and kids from different faiths into to playing AFL and and promoting the game. And then and David Asprey, who um, he's arguably one of the the best teammates that I've, I've ever played against, and um, he's really done it the hard way. He's a, a three-time Premiership player, but he's played for for 12 years. Um, drafted from from Western Victoria and had 14 surgeries, I think, Paney, and coming up for his 15th. He's going to be his 15th after his last game tomorrow. Um, so he's he's done it the hard way. He really has done it the hard way. But uh, he's a he's a he's just one of those guys that. Is a stalwart of a football club, ever reliable, and just gets yep. the job done. And, and um, he looks. That, yeah, we re- he absolutely looks it. Yeah, we really look forward to. Um, well, one, we look forward to to hopefully having a win 
tomorrow for that for for those boys and being able to, to chair David Asprey off and and give them both the, the send off that they deserve. But we look forward to lockdown finishing soon and we can all catch up and and have some beers together and and certainly tell some stories of of their journey and our journey over the last few years. Yeah, no doubt, mate. I've got to admit as well, I'm a bit disappointed myself with Basher going down. He's been an integral part of my ultimate footy team for a number of years. So congratulations to Basher Hawley and David Asprey who've had wonderful careers with the Richmond Football Club. This is Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart and we'll be back shortly. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Uh, welcome back to Jack and Payne on SEN Hobart for Harrison Agents, the Tasmanian real estate specialist. Well, Payne, we are very lucky to have a new partner on board uh, SEN Hobart. That, of course, is Taz Racing and the CEO of Taz Racing and more, well, I won't say more importantly, but as importantly, Equally. a part of the Tasmanian AFL t- Task Force Paul Erickson. Paul, thanks for joining us here on Jack and Paney. G'day, Jack. G'day, Tim. How are we? Very, Very well, good, you. mate. Very good. Uh, it's, well, mate, it's great to have you on board. Uh, great, Well, great to have Taz Racing on board with SEN Hobart, mate. We've just started up. We're three weeks in. Uh, what does the new partnership mean for the uh, racing industry in Tasmania? Oh, a great amount. We're, we're very excited to be partnering with SEN and they're, uh, they're a great organisation, a lot of, lot of vision, foresight and energy. And we love the fact that, you know, it, it just aligns with our, our customer growth strategies. National wagering market, highly competitive. Any way that we can grow our market share and showcase our, our great uh, racing product across Greyhound Harness and Thoroughbreds works for us. You know, it's, it's, it's great to work with good partners and, you know, you guys, SEN and, and others like Ladbrokes and Sky, they're all, all great to work with and we just need to keep going and keep pushing the Tasmanian product. Absolutely, mate. Can you talk us through what are the plans in place for SEN and, and TAS Racing as part of this partnership? Well, there's, there's a number. Um, our, our three, uh, probably our three keys are uh, the new weekly Tasmanian Tricode panel show where we can get out and, and, and push the three codes and, and put information out on there. Uh, there's a new Wednesday night uh, Tasmanian Thoroughbred panel show. Uh, and as I understand it, we've got some uh, Tasmanian segments going into the to the national Centrac uh, weekly panel shows. So, you know, it it, it all works with um, pushing out that uh, Tasmanian information, attracting the the, the more racing fans to it, uh, and it just aligns perfectly with what we're trying to do and and what our stage of of development and, and marketing of, of Tasmanian racing is. So. Yeah, nothing, nothing but positive. Absolutely positive. Paul, you've also been a member of the AFL task force for the Tasmanian team. Can you tell us a little bit about your role with the task force and um, uh, the position you've had and the outcomes and whether you've been um, satisfied with, with that from the Carter report? Well, the, the, the role that I had with the task force uh, back in um, late 2019 was to build the financial model. So that was drawing on... Uh, my experience with the, the startup of GWS Giants uh, and other work in, in um, uh, racing New South Wales, but also in uh, uh, my time with uh, the Sharks, Cronulla Sutherland, and, and putting together a sensible financial model to show that it, it, it really was financially viable. It was sustainable. So I was pretty happy with the... Uh, I was very happy with the case that was put forward. Um, you know, t- to be honest... 
a little bit disappointed with with where we are. Um, I think I think the Carter report um, outlined the three options that were already well and truly there and, and visible. I, I like the fact that it flagged that yep, the financial model does make sense. Um, I just wish uh, or would have liked it to have been a more definitive one way or the other. But you know, it, it is where it is. Uh, we need to keep chip, chipping away and, and, and pushing that case. I, I, I believe that it's um, it's firmly viable. Um, I think, I'm, on my view, as a 19 team, is the way to go. Um, I think that'll work for the for the uh, for the industry. I think it'll allow um, you know an additional 30, 40 uh, players to expand, and you now that'll take a little bit of time to settle down. Um, and whether it's three or four years down the track or five years down the track or six years down the track, so be it. But we need to we need to, to map out that path. Eddie Eddie Maguire made a, a point of that. We need to map out the path and make a decision. So uh, I'm, I'm very supportive of that. But not fully behind a Tassie team. Well, Paul, we're absolutely wrapped. The Taz Racing have jumped on board SEN Hobart and we really appreciate you chatting to us. Not at all. Love to and, and love to do it again if the time is right. Thank you very much, Paul. This is uh, well. This is Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart. More shortly. Harrison Agents to buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania. Search Harrison Agents today on sixteen twenty nine SEN Hobart. Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to another big hour of the Jack and Paney Show with Jack Rewalt and Tim Payne on 1629 SEN Hobart and right around the country on the SEN app. We're here thanks to Harrison Agents, the Tasmanian real estate special, specialists, and Jack, we've got a huge guest coming up here. Don't Tasmanian we? cricket royalty, uh, the new chief selector, not chairman of selectors, chief, chief. of selectors. The chief. The chief, the maestro, George Bailey. George, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Pleasure. I don't get nervous before many interviews, but I'm I'm a little edgy. I've got to say, talking to you two. Join the club. Join the club. We're not sure where this is going to go. We'll start right at exactly. the top, though. With obviously today, the first time you fronted the media with a huge announcement. Uh, the World Cup T20 squad, your 15-man squad, was announced. Uh, take us through it. You're happy with it? Um, few surprises, some would say. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I knew, I had it all covered, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been uh, it's interesting when you look through that squad. It's, it's been a long time since we've um, since we've really had a you would say you know everyone on deck as, in terms of put, being able to put a full squad together. So, um, yeah, you know, I think everyone's been really fixated on the results of the past couple of series, but I think there's been also been some really positive outcomes that being able to expose some some players and particularly some younger players who may not have had that opportunity had we just been barreling out the the same team each and every time. So to get back and, and have, um, you know, a few guys come back into that squad and, and get it back down on paper, it looks it looks great. It's a very experienced team. Um, I think it's really well balanced. One of the things that we're really conscious of with this World Cup is there's a huge amount of cricket on the on the wickets in the UAE before we even um, we even start our campaign, so we're, we're a little unsure as to what we're going to get conditions-wise. So we've um, yeah we've tried to we've tried to pick a squad that, that's got a little bit of everything in it. You speak there, Bales, about obviously the the World Cup being played over there in the UAE. Um, 
And the uh, Indian Premier League is still due to finish, and a lot of the players that are playing or have been picked in the in the World Cup squad will be heading over there. How closely do you watch that uh, that format of the game and that 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 Premier League to to pick the actual starting team? Um, and will you hone in on on areas of, I suppose, the pitches where we're, where they're playing, in terms of what team you're going to pick as well? Yeah, it's a it's well, it's a captivating tournament for a number of reasons. Um, um, you know, I think the fact that our players get to play there that it's a uh, it's it's pretty unique in the in the caliber of overseas players that it that it's um, that it drags to it. So you're getting as a player there, you're getting access to a, a wider range of, of voices and a way of going about things. So I think it's hugely beneficial from that point of view. Um, so certainly, some of our players get to expand their roles a little bit. I think someone like um, Marcus Stoinis is a good example. He's you know, spent a lot of time batting at the top of the order for the Melbourne Stars, but uh, has, um, has spent a lot of time batting in the middle for, the, for, the, for his team at Delhi. And, um, and that's, that's the role that we're looking to utilise him a little bit more for Australia. So for him to get a bit of exposure there um, and, and to start to build his game around that, that's great. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's, uh, again, the guy's on the same sorts of conditions, so um, you know, on the same sorts of wickets, so they'll get a good feel, and and you know, probably the greatest thing, and the same thing's coming back at us, obviously. But you've got players who are just constantly learning about the other best players in the world, and, and hopefully coming back with some tactics and, and how we can negate them, and, and how we can come and um, play our best cricket against them as well. So a really interesting point that you make about Marcus Stoinis is the the the, the fact that he does open for for the T Twenty side over here for. For the big in the big bash, but it's probably been, I suppose, a query uh, on the selection in the past. Is that we've we've always sort of picked players that just bat at the top of the order and then fitted them in. Is it a request of you to ask Marcus to go and ask to to play in a in a different part of the uh, in a different part of the order? Yeah, I just tell Ricky Ponning, who's his coach here at Delhi, I just tell him exactly where I want Stoin to bat, and and punters generally listen to everything I say. Um, no, look, I, that, that, I think there was a, a period where that was a valid, um, a valid criticism. Uh, um, but, but the other thing I think around T20 cricket and around franchises is the best players are the best players for a reason. There's limited resources and depending where they go, you want them to be facing the maximum amount of balls. And, um, and so it's not, it's not a unique situation uh, in Australia where players are, are often changing their position or having to adapt to different roles. Um, I think you know, I've got great admiration for the way England go about their white ball cricket in general at the moment, and, and I reckon a couple of their players. I've seen um, Josh Butler open the batting about in the middle. I've seen Johnny Bairstow open the batting and bat in the middle. Liam Livingston grabs any opportunity he can. That's been at the top. That's been in the middle. I've seen... Ben Stokes open in the IPL um, in Australia and bat in the middle. So um, yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's the modern day player. They have to be a little more flexible. Um, you have to be adaptable and, and depending what your team needs at that time, that's, that's what you need. Um, you know, the, the one role that I think Australia are crying out for and, um, and this has been highlighted, you know, I think teams for a long time focused on openers has been the key to their T20 Tournaments, I think there's been a bit of a shift now to, to that real number six role and um, almost the most valuable batsmen in the world at the moment are those guys who can nail down that, that number six role. Kieran Pollard's, Hardik Pandya's, uh, Andre Russell's, Owen Morgan's done it pretty consistently for England. So that, that's the um, sort of the holy grail if you can find someone who can nail that role. 
Yeah, absolutely. But as you touched there a little bit on the, on the modern-day player, I'm fascinated to ask you about the modern-day selector. I think it's fair to say over the years that the average age of a selector, an Australian selector, has been probably over 60. Looking at, at Trevor Holmes just finishing, Rodney Marsh, John Inverarity. Uh, apart from dress sense, you are a hell of a lot different. What, what does, I suppose, the new age selector's role involve? Has it changed? Uh, what actually goes into it, and, and why did it appeal to you? I think my golf swings had some uh, some <laughs> criticism about looking like an old man as well. At it time. does. Um, oh, I think it's just it's a it's it's unique, and we we talk about T twenty like it's um, you know like we've got it all sorted and we've worked it out. It, it's still such a new format, um, and and on top of that, you're also trying to. Uh, combat the rise of, of players balancing um, their desire and, and want to play for their country versus um, being able to earn a huge amount of money in a short space of time for some of these franchise teams. And, um, you know, everyone will have different opinions on that. And, um, you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think some of the players that are, that are necessarily playing the franchise cricket think any less of, less of playing for their country, but they're also um, aware that, you have a lifespan as, a, as an athlete, um, apart from you, Jack, who just evergreen, well, both of you actually, evergreen, you just keep going and going. But mo- most of the mere mortals have a, have a bit of a lifespan. So they, um, they're pretty conscious of, of trying to balance the two. So um, I think I've had a unique journey in that aspect. I've, I've been part of T20 cricket, um, the revolution, I guess, and um, I've been a, a, a balanced playing IPL and, and playing for Australia and playing for your state and what that what that sort of looks like. So um, hopefully I'm bringing a perspective um, that the players can relate to, but also, you know, trying to get that balance of making sure that playing for Australia remains, you know, remains as prestigious and, and the pinnacle. Uh, I think that's really important both from, you know, from the Australian cricket point of view, but also for the, you know, for the greater good of the game. One of the talking points, mate, that's come from, from the announcements yesterday of that T20 World Cup side has been the selection of uh, well, uncapped Josh Inglis, the wiki keeper, or the backup wiki to Matthew Wade ahead of, of, ahead, sorry, of Alex Carey, who a lot of people have seen as the, well, I suppose, the, the next in line to, to be the, the test keeper and also be the one-day keeper. Can you run us through that, that selection? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, right off the bat, make no mistake, Alex Carey is still our one-day keeper. Um, I, I think that, again, is something that people get caught up in a lot and, and um, bundle the white ball, the coloured clothing formats together. But um, one-day cricket and T20 cricket are, are so different. Um, it's like comparing red wine to white in many respects. So, um, so you know, Alex Carey specifically, he he will play a lot more cricket for Australia, and um, and we were just so thrilled with both his performance um, in the in the one days in the West Indies and and his leadership as well. So um, he had a he had a great series from that respect. Um, Josh is Josh is not it's not a a bolt from the blue um, certainly from us internally. We've um, we've been really impressed with him for for twelve. 12 months um, and across all formats too you know he's, he's just continued to get better and better and, and really um, and really close the gap on on the Australian keepers that have been ahead of him fast um, in the last few months he he was one you know he, he wasn't wasn't on his lonesome in a group of players that we knew were heading to England um, for this season and really conscious of weighing up um, which guys to to 
to call back to go on that West Indies and Bangladesh tour to try and maximise guys' cricket. We, we were really conscious of bringing guys back and then potentially having them be 12th or 13th man for a lot of that trip um, versus him being able to put his best foot forward, play a lot of cricket for Leicester in the blast, which he did, leading run scorer, um, a couple of hundred there and, and, you know, really influential work at the top. And, there, and then he picked up a, a um, replacement gig in the 100 too. Um, so that, that's been great. You know, he's a good player of spin. That's, that's been great feedback on him for a number of years. Um, great keeper. And I guess the icing on the cake from our point of view in terms of adding him into that squad was that he's, he has batted um, both at the top with success and, and through the middle. And that was something that we we're really impressed with his, how quickly he adapted to that role last year for the Perth Scorchers. Yep, here, here, George. Terrific selection, I think. Josh Inglis in form. As you said, extremely flexible, can bat anywhere, and he's clearly one of the best, if not the best, keeper in the country. Now, we've had enough of white ball, George. Jack has been waiting all week to get you on because he wants to talk Ashes. He's a test cricket purist. The he's purist. He's got some things he wants to ask you. He wants to pick his side. I said he's got a little window that he can pepper you with a couple of questions here, but he, he wants to talk Ashes cricket. He's had enough of the white ball. Jack, you know, you know we have a, there's a roll-up for grads at the moment. We, we're on the lookout for a selector. Well, so if, okay. you, if you nail this segment, mate, this is the, the role's yours. So throw it at me. All right. Um, can we play two spinners? <laughs> Thoughts? Yeah, you, you can. Absolutely. Yeah, no, but is is it is it a viable option? The the the, the question. Obviously, Sydney's a spinner's wicket. Um, whether or not we're going to be able to play in Sydney is, is interesting. Um, I'm pushing for another Hobart test and certainly an Ashes Hobart test, which would be fantastic. The, the question I want to ask is, can you play two spinners under lights at Adelaide? Uh, the answer is you absolutely can. Um, would you? Would you? Probably not. No. Okay. Um, probably not. Having said that... I, my cricket history. I'm not sure if there are any teams that that have um, done that, but you'd be hard pressed. I, I reckon if you look at our fast bowlers uh, and their pink ball records, you'd be hard pressed to drag the ball out of their hands. Um, and I think Nathan Lyon's done a, a pretty serviceable job. Um, very much tongue in cheek. He's done an outstanding job when when he's got the ball in his hands too. So you've got to uh, yeah, you've got to be pretty. You know, very much a horses for courses. I would love you say the SCGs, the spinners' wicket. I would love for that for that ground to regain a bit of its, um, I guess the, you know, the uh, unique characteristics that we that we do. Because I actually don't think it's been a spinners' wicket, um, certainly in Test matches for, for a number of years. But is that due to the drop in? Do you think? Uh, the SCG drop ins. I'm pretty sure yeah. it might be might be right. dropping. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah I, mean, I think I think the dropping. I mean, it's obviously had a huge effect in in Adelaide. Um, I think it's changed the MCG, and they are they're 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 pretty they're pretty different. Um, but one of the great things I, I don't know how much cricket you watch in England, but one of the great things I love about watching cricket in England is the the natural deterioration of a wicket across five days, and quite often a wicket that. Is seeming and swinging on day one is is turning square on day five and um, and I think that's the ultimate in a in a test wicket um, and there's no doubt that the SCG is a wicket that that can still provide that so yeah you'd, you'd love nothing more than um, than the opportunity to play two swin two spinners I think um, you know Mitchell Swepson's another one who's 
who's in that World Cup squad. I, I thought his season last year was fantastic, and um, and yeah, I'd be thrilled if we had the opportunity to roll out um, Swepo and Gaz in a test at some stage in the future. We've only got to look at that last uh, test at Lords to to see how much of an impact the the Indian team had in that last or last two bits of play there when they uh, obviously won the game. The next question I want to ask is openers. It's been a, a bit of a rotation policy of late. Who, who are the names that we can expect to see vying for the for the opening position? Uh, who, who are your Who are your names? Oh, throw, cl- you throw yours at me. <laughs> Warner, he's he's the one. Um, form started to drop off. Not a lot of red ball cricket. Is he a guaranteed lock to to play? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think uh, you know Davy Warner's record over a long, long period of time is is very, very strong, particularly in Australia, uh, particularly in big series. So, um, yeah, he hasn't he's, he's missed a little bit of cricket, um, injured for a, a lot of the tests last summer. So, um, and you know, probably came back early because he was so desperate to try and have an impact in that series. So, um, yeah, really, really excited about having having a fit and firing David Warner at the top of the order. Pukowski, where does he sit at the moment? Yeah, Puck, I mean, he's um, chatting to him this week. He's, he's on the mend from his shoulder surgery, which is which is really promising. There's, um, it, uh, it takes a bit of time, and you, you can you, you tell um, you tell the young blokes that coming back from surgery, and particularly for your cross bat shots to get to get right back to full confidence of being able to um, to to I guess let your body. Um, play those shots with the full naturalness that you need. So he's building up to that, and and you know fully expecting that he will uh, he'll be available for for all of uh, certainly all of the the shield rounds um, leading into the test, which is which is really promising. Um, and I guess another one to throw in the mix, you know, Marcus Harris has had um, had an opportunity late in the summer last year, and has gone across to England and and had a really good summer too, and continues to develop his game. So. Um, they're, they're three, certainly three guys who um, you'd be comfortable to sit at the top of the order. Happy with those answers, Jack? You done? Yeah, no, the, the only other one I had was, uh, can you give me a smoky? Oh, I want to hear a name that we, we don't talk about a lot. Now, it doesn't have to be an opener. It doesn't have to be from any position. Is there is there a smoky that someone that you really like, George, that maybe you've got a, I know you're the chief selector, but you've still got a panel there. Is there someone that you really like that you would like to get in or even just get into the to the squad to see what it's like to... To be a part of an Ashes tour or an Ashes team, yeah, sorry. There is, there absolutely is, and I'm glad you asked. It's the bloke who scores four hundreds in the first four Shield games <laughs> in the lead up to the Ashes. That's the so, bloke. Who's who's that going to be? <laughs> that's the that's the bit, mate. That's the bit. No, I, mate. I, I um one of my um one of the thing I. I make no predictions. I, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that um, love trying to predict the next Ricky Ponting or the or the next Tim Payne. But um, my experience is that people develop and and um, you know people can have all the talent they like. But there's a whole combination of of what it takes to um to emerge from the pack and end up in that Australian cricket team. Um, and far better for me to try and try and pick someone um you know before their time. It uh, it happens naturally. Everyone I know. You know, across the across the country, everyone's working their backside off to be the best cricketer they can, and um, yeah, ho- hopefully we're in a position where there's you know it's not one smoky, but you, you're trying to you're trying to pick from three or four. Yeah, absolutely, George. Look, mate, thanks very much for coming on. We've certainly appreciated you taking the time. 
Uh, you've been put through the ringer for our, our cricket expert, Jack Rewalt, which has been sensational. So, Do you want the one, do you want the one last question, Payne, before he goes? One last question. Out of, out okay. of, this isn't doing anything in cricket. Right. What's harder, looking after the Australian cricket team or selecting the cr- Australian cricket team or keeping Nick Revolt and Tim Payne in line with the, their body fit <laughs> and your body fit venture that you're all going in? Because I'm hearing that you're doing all the work and they're just there for the photos. Is that correct? I'll tell you what is hard, trying to get them into a T-shirt and not a singlet when we are doing a photo shoot. Come on, George. You've worn singlet more times no. than I have. No, it's going absolutely beautiful, the body fit. And um, I must admit... I'm probably not up to Nick and Tim's level yet, but I am in career best Nick at the moment. So career best. <laughs> yep. No Australia's fittest selector. The world's fittest Absolutely. selector, George Bailey. Mate, thanks again. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate your time um, coming on with the show, Jack and Paney. Up next, we've got David, the Flashman Lithgow, who joins us with someone who has this week become instant folklore Tasmanian sporting legend with a huge bag of goals last weekend. This is Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Well, welcome back to Jack and Paney right here on SEN Hobart. Thanks to Harrison Agents. Tasmania's real estate agent. And of course, the number one agent at Harrison Agents is our man, David Flash Lithgow. We've got him on early, Flash. You've, you've jumped in early. Have you asked for some more time? Has that been written into the contract or have you got something special for us, mate? Good morning, gentlemen. No, just taking five minutes of time off you two blokes. What a big morning we've already had. So much going on in both of your worlds. Great to be here. Looking forward to our next guest. Flash, we put out the call for some local sporting legends, and have you got have you got one for us? Because there's a, there's a few murmurings around, and I've seen a few little things on Facebook. Have you been able to track a good folklore story down for us? Well, little things. I mean, this guy we're about to talk to, he's been on about 25 radio stations oh, during the weekend. He's been on Media Street. Quite Stanley. incredible. Oh. But well deserved, of course. And it's a pleasure. I think we've got him on the line. Trent Standard from the OHA Footy Club. How you going, Speedy? G'day, boys. How are you going? Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, mate. What uh, what a week it's been for you. It's been a whirlwind. I've had a couple of conversations with you during the week. I didn't get to the game, which is a rare event. I go and watch my beloved ships. Um, give us a bit of a snapshot of last Saturday afternoon. Yeah, mate. It was, uh, it was certainly one to remember, that's for sure. Was, uh, as a footballer, you never, you never um, go into any game of football thinking you're going to kick 30 goals or let alone bring up a ton in the same game. It's a bit of a rarity. Um, yeah, it's been a pretty different week or two. I'd like to keep myself a little bit, and the phone hasn't stopped. And <laughs> interview after interview, I feel like a bit, bit like Tim Payne. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's funny you mentioned that, Speedy, because you're a part of the... Uh, well, there's this, there is this secret school on the Eastern Shore that not a lot of people know. You've got to go over the, over the hill... At Howrah there, past the Garden Centre, and you head down the hill, and of course, that is Rokeby High, which has produced, obviously, Tim Payne, the Australian cricket captain. I think it's produced Matthew Wade as well, no, China Clarence Payne. Clarence High, Oh, Clarence High for Wade. Ian Callanan, um, who Callinan. played. And you, Dykes, yep. Tasmanian cricketer. You, of course, went to Rokeby High as well, mate. Is there something in the water down there at Rokeby that just uh, creates these amazing sporting, uh, sporting, sporting characters? Oh, I don't know. I think um, it's just 
one of those things where yes, just a group of group of kids going up and um, the modest group where we got lucky and had a few sporting sporting greats in the end. Um, but yeah, certainly nothing in the water. I don't think. I tell you what, Speedy, you said you don't go to work every day thinking you're going to kick 30 poles. I reckon we've had a few schoolyard games where I've seen you go close. <laughs> I don't think it's the first time you've kicked 30. You had some big there, days there, out there. at recess and lunch at Rugby High School. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a recess or lunch where we didn't have a kick of the footy, mate, that's for sure. No, there wasn't. Memory, I, I, I was lucky enough to speak to the coach in Callan before the game, and, and I know you probably needed 12 or 13 to get close to Jay Bowden, who's had a terrific year for some Virgils, and... He did mention to me they might try and feed you if it's getting things are getting tight. We know Richmond have had a tough year, lost a lot of players, etc. They certainly fed you. 30 goals, 12. Um, I, again, I haven't spoken to you about the quality of the goals. I'm sure there was some absolute beauties amongst that. Is there one that really stood out as when you got a little bit selfish, you maybe did three pirouettes and snapped it over your left shoulder? <laughs> there, was, there was one that stood out, mate. It was probably, I think it was the 27th. <laughs> so, uh, that, that wasn't that long after half time either, Jack. So um, I think it was. Where, I don't know if you know the shipyard, our home ground, the scoreboard side, all the um, we call it the can bar. So where the reserves guys they they go and have a beer and stuff down there. Um, I see one was going to come over the back of the pack, so heading towards the boundary. I knew it was going there as soon as it left the boot. So I've headed towards the boundary. I picked it up. I only had one post to look at and managed to dribble it round. And all the reserves boys there on the fence and high fives and as it, it went past, yeah. Our listeners, mate, they are aware of the shipyard, and I'll tell you why. Because last week David Lithgow was photographed at the shipyard <laughs> in his three-quarter tights, um, but you have now made that ground more famous. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to ask you though, and I, I wonder, I know Ian Cullinan's your coach, and he's he's a professional man, especially for old scholars level. You've you've gone into half time at twenty-one. You've kicked 21 goals. You've come out and only added another nine. Is there something that you needed to speak to Ian with this week? Is it a fitness issue? Um, was it ball movement? What happened in that second half? You've just you've gone missing, to be honest. Yeah, no. In, in the second half, in the second half, um, we was was dominant right from the get go in the third quarter. And my first five scoring shots in the third quarter were all behind. So I've only got myself to blame. Yeah. And and I brought. My, Well, it's an interesting point because the Tasmania record's 31. Did you know that you needed one more to equal it or two to, to, to draw it? Or is it, just get to the point where you're just absolutely buggered, you needed to get yourself off the ground after having 42 shots? No, until after, after the game, I was sitting in the change rooms having a beer and a couple of the boys got on on Google there and started to do a bit of investigating then yeah it come up then that I was only one or two shy of the, of the record but um, I, I missed eight shots probably that I'd normally kick as well which didn't help the cause either so I've only got myself to blame really Yeah Speedy and Jack as well mate you, you both of you guys have obviously kicked big bags before there's no doubt about that but I've kicked I'm 30 curious, before I can tell you that At what point do you lose count? Because you know you've kicked three, you know you kicked four, so, you yep. know, six or seven. But at what stage were you sitting out there going, oh, I've got no idea how many I've kicked here. That's the first part of the question. And when did, how many players and what did the opposition coach do? Did they drop blokes in front of you? Did they repeat people off you? Did they put three on you? Oh, surely they just put, they parked the bus in front of you. Couldn't. <laughs> no, it was funny because it is, when you kick that many goals, it is, it is funny. You do start to lose count. And I think my, I was about 22 when I started to lose count. <laughs> But then the boys on the school, 
the boys on the scoreboard they actually put my tally up on the top left hand of the scoreboard. Did see so it was, that, yeah. It was um, how many goals I've kicked and then how many goals I need for the hundred. So yeah. every how goal that they rotate off, off you. I played one bloke for the first half. Uh, He's had twenty one kicked Jesus. on him. <laughs> <laughs> And he was half my age, unfortunately. So. Oh, no. Um, Imagine that conversation that. with Dad. How'd you go today, son? Oh, it wasn't great in the first half. <laughs> Trent, oh, uh, it was a nice day, fella, but yeah. Well, Speed, thanks for joining us, mate. We, we really do appreciate it. It's an amazing achievement. I think you'll probably have some more uh, attention put into you this week after bagging 30. And uh, still can't believe that you missed eight that you thought you should have kicked, mate. We appreciate it. And good luck this weekend. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's time to get some news headlines right here on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. And welcome back to the Jack and Payne Show right here on SEN Hobart. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate specialist. Well, Flashman, you've hung around uh, 30 goals, 12. That's something that you would only dream about in a whole season in the Lorna Jane tights, mate. But uh, it's been a big, big, big week in Tasmania sport, mate. What have you got for us? It has indeed. Um, I looked, might have kicked one or two reasonable ones, in fairness. On in the those tights? That photo was circulating during the week, mate. Can you run us, well, qu- quickly before you do get into Tasmania sport, can you run us through what you're thinking? Look, I've actually never told this. I can't believe I'm going to tell this, but I'll, I'll actually tell the truth about this issue. It was four years ago, very, very late in my ordinary footy career, and I've always worn the thick, um, almost, the, not the bike the Thermoskins? <laughs> Thermoskins. The wetsuits? That's right. And I did my first ever hammy about six or seven weeks earlier. It was lingering around. So I certainly wanted to keep the thermoskins. Couldn't find them anyway. I tried to buy them all over Tasmania. True story. Because I never haven't played a game without them. I did my groins earlier in the game and I wore them. It got so desperate on the Friday night. I was coming back for a hammy and I couldn't find anything. And here's the thing, which actually nobody really knows. I actually got them in the women's section. <laughs> no, really? No, really. Big W, one of our supporters, I'm not Shock. sure. And because all where were you shopping? Where were you shopping? It's a big W, but because I, very old fashioned, would just clump a massive clump of deep heat, just pound it in to my hammies, and you need to lock it in with something. So that was my theory. (laughs) Went with those. It didn't go down so well. I played a good game, but then never gets talked about. And um, so there was that sort of Lorna Jane theory, which I haven't spread because it wasn't overly complimentary for me. It's a bit of truth to it, sadly. But um, no, Trent, he's a, he's a beauty coach, premiership player, of course, and terrific to have him with us. But we've just got so many topics to keep talking about, boys. I don't know where to, to turn in a way because the Colin Carter thing continues to be discussed. Um, of course, there's footy this weekend, which is really exciting. St Kilda versus Freo in itself. But I think that might be the appetiser, Jack, for a final next week. It feels like it might happen. And if it does, I, I'm looking at that sort of setup now. And Swans Giants looks prominent. Wouldn't that be sensational for the for the Hobart Launceston community? Where it would be, I would imagine it probably be, be played in Hobart. But let's you, hope so. You can't be certain of that. The two terrific venues. It'd be it'd be a wonderful thing. Is that is that, uh, it's, it's, I suppose is it a great test um, for the people of Hobart and their appetite for football to to be given a final if it does come through? Let's say it's Swans and Giants, which uh, both both the Sydney teams. Is it a is it a great chance for for people to vote with their feet on? the success of Tasmanian football, football in Tasmania? 1,000%. And I think that goes for sport in general. And I don't know why it is, and Tim and I have talked about this a 
for years, but there has been a, a query with Hobart supporters of sports sometimes. Yep. That Tim, is that... Oh, I think there certainly is, but there's also the quality of content, isn't there? There I mean, is. I think it's all over Tasmania. We saw Hawthorne and Essendon go to York Park and One to a few Full flags, House. The Hawks I would imagine the quality of football of Sydney yep. Swans and, and the Giants, who Jack would have seen firsthand the week before. They are playing unbelievable footy. The Sydney Swans are yep. a powerhouse and exciting to watch. If we can't get a Full House to a final watching Something's those wrong. two clubs, something is seriously wrong. And, and you, you mentioned about both teams. If it is Sydney and Giants, what a cracking game of football. Yep. I mean... City have lost once in seven weeks. The Giants have finally started to pull it all together and it would be absolutely sensational. I mean, if there's two teams maybe that can win it outside of the top four, I guess Brisbane have come again, haven't they? But yeah. the Giants look like they're dangerous and the Swans have been absolutely outstanding and th- that's a remarkable story in itself. Certainly. I think I don't know what you think, Jack, but I, I watched a bit of the Giants last week they're and good. I've, I've heard they're it good. as well. I think Leon Cameron seems to be putting on a bit of a masterclass. I've heard some stories about him out of the club how he's how he's manipulated the group with their motivation. He's pulled some stuff out of the bag, which we know doesn't always work. The he timing kept, he of it. He keeps getting them up, you know. He and I, I think he, he's due for a bit of credit, isn't he? Because he's certainly come under enormous amount of pressure. There's been big preliminary final loss and a big grand final loss that you were pretty pleased with yourself, Jack, that, that day. But he, he he's done a good job. They've had a shocking run this year, a bit like the Tigers. But they've come out on the end of it. They've got some quality and they're, they're going to be hard to beat. Certainly a few little, uh, I think, recent draft picks that a lot of people wouldn't know that have come in and had a big impact on the way they go about it. And uh, local football flash, want to delve into that a little bit. Uh, surprising result on the weekend with Clarence rolling Launceston to uh, secure third spot and uh, what was looking like a Kingborough final uh, after beating Clarence the week before has now flipped on its head and Clarence will host Kingborough in that first week of the finals, mate. A big, big sort of shake-up in, uh, in the local football scene. No doubt about that. Of course, we've still got the last game to, to get done in terms of the last round. North Launceston playing Ganolke, North Hobart versus Clarence, and Launceston versus Lauderdale. But certainly things taking shape there. Launceston, you, you, you feel like they're just a, a whisker better than everybody else, but that was a terrific result last week. Clarence have had a really good month, haven't they? Building they're, nicely. They are. I mean, Webberley's announced that he's leaving but everything he's left with a, a side humming and can they I guess cause damage against the two powerhouses the last few years I mean North have been there for the best part of a decade haven't they and Launceston awfully hard to beat it, it look it gives some real excitement I mean look the Tigers are going to feel like that they can really bounce back next week but I feel like they've got some momentum I think Clarence are going better than North Lonnie across the board to be frank. So it's really fascinating. Looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It is going to be fascinating watching it. Now, Flash, another local footy story that's made the news this week has been the Hobart Football Club. Have you been able to do any digging around that, the incident and and the suspension of their players and a few club officials? What's the latest on that? Yeah, well, it's certainly certainly been and it's happened. And I I think it was an incident which, you know, was floating around five or six weeks ago now and we'd heard the murmurings through it and the footy clubs have, I guess, have acted accordingly, or Hobart's acted yep. accordingly in terms of handing down the suspension, and I think that's where it's really left now, isn't it? There's no police charges, etc., to to comment on. So, okay. very disappointing, I guess, from a perspective of a leadership group in terms of the Hobart Footy Club. I mean, yep. they wouldn't be pleased with themselves, but um, they've Alex Gilmore. I guess he's he's going to cop the wrath now, and and he'll be back. He's done a good job with Hobart. They've got themselves. Back in a position, of course, just a touching on that, he was coach Richmond last time who got uh, 30 goals kicked against with Trent Standard. And since he left Richmond, the club certainly lost a lot of players and are struggling themselves. But Hobart are 
going well, but certainly not something you want to see from any leadership group. And I know that uh, they'll get better from that and improve going forward. A couple of little snippets I've looked during the week I'd like to talk about is that I reckon, Jack, the, the WBBL Hurricanes are coming along really nicely. They've got Molly Strano, who's come across from the Stars, who looks... Well, she's Big addition. And yep. By Big the addition, way, yes. she's still... She, I reckon she's just reaching her peak. She's only 28 years of age. You, you throw in that with, with Kerry and, 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 I mean, Vakawira, Vlaminek, I mean, they've got some pace up the top. Uh, very exciting. Corinne Hall's gone. I mean, can, you can touch on that, Tim, yeah. a bit. She's been a... A great person with the, with Tassie women's cricket the last seven years. Yeah, so, she, she has. She's been a real leader around the space. Terrific Tasmania, certainly in the in the female program. I'm I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but I know she's going to be sorely missed. But they have they've really started to build a strong team. They've got excellent support around them with um, with Sally Ann Beams. Uh, obviously, Dan Marsh is in the wings, and and he's always been a highly rated coach. And I know that the girls think absolutely the world of the work he's been doing. So. They're starting to build a strong list. They've got some young girls coming through as well. They've added some experience from interstate, as you've touched on. And I think you know, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a really big year for the, for the Hurricanes and for the, the Tigers women's team. It's exciting for them. And in the men's program, of course, no closer with, with James Faulkner. I mean, we look forward to talking to him yep. in the next week or so. But that looks very shaky at best in terms of him um, suiting up for the Hurricanes. I, I find it quite disappointing, but that's the way these lists go. We're cert- I'm certainly not privy to the discussions would happen, but that looks unlikely in what's a very big year for the, the Hurricanes and really going to stand you know stand back and watch what happens there over the next couple of weeks as the, the list is taking shape Tim I mean well, what oh, can you tell us about it would have to be yeah. I mean I'm, I'm not across the Hobart Hurricanes as, as much as you would probably think but James Faulkner certainly in my opinion won't be playing for the Hurricanes as you said it's it's sad. We've tried hard, Jack, to get him on the show this week. He's uh, he's currently sailing around the Hamilton Islands, so he said yeah, he'd be in state up, to eh? come on. But Private he plane up here in two pain. Is that correct? Private plane up to, to Hamilton No, Islands? that fell through. I think that fell through. He, uh, he would have had to roughen in business, I reckon, the big Jim Cock. But we look forward to getting him on, getting his side of the story. Always entertaining. Uh, but, yeah, a bit of a sad story there in, in, in Tasmanian cricket circles. I know, as we touched on last week, some fans around Tassie will be unhappy, but it is the big bash and that's what Cricket Australia wanted to create they wanted to see a bit more of player movement a little bit more changing of of teams and and we're starting to see it more and more I think the first few years the trading between teams the movement between teams was a bit slow but we're starting to see it pick up and um, like it or or not that was kind of the idea of the whole big bash at one point now Tim we we need to focus on our man over the river there and Jacks. I I want to touch on your year briefly I know I, I listened to you and Tim talking earlier about it um Let's circle back to the end of 2020. It was so many people. I mean, our flagship breakfast program in Melbourne, of course, with Gary and Tim, were they were two of your critics and perhaps told you in no uncertain terms, Jack, it might be time to wrap it up. And he was, they weren't alone. I want to talk seriously about this because I know you, you're such a team person, you know, with success, etc. and it's been very, very tough. But I, look, this is your biggest haul since 2018. You kicked 70 in 2018. And I reckon that was your best year, for sure. I'm not, I think you agree. We've had that discussion once before. But you must be pretty proud, mate, as you step out with the Tigers for the last weekend of this season of how things have gone on a personal level. By the way, before you answer that, 50 sounds a lot more than 48. And I do <laughs> notice you dropped 12 players this week. You, you, you're aware of that too, clearly, aren't you? 
Ah, uh, fifty does sound good. Um, well, I, I meant to actually ask Speedy Stand, and what, what sort of message did, did he give the boys to let him know? Because I'm, I'm only eleven away from the coal, and I'm thinking <laughs> maybe feed me Speedy Standard style. But no, good, good to have a good year, Flash. Personally, obviously disappointing not to be playing finals, but um, no, I think I've still got a few, few more decent games left in the legs, and looking forward to regenerating over the next period of time. So. Flash, another big week from you, mate. We we appreciate it. We asked you to get some folklore stories on, and you were able to get Speedy Stand, and you produced, made it happen for us. One. Did I tell you, you Tim Payne was one of those critics that said you were washed up as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Get that out? Absolutely so, no did, doubt. Absolutely okay. no doubt. He Dumb, just hides he behind. That'll do. I would never Dumb. say that about well, a, fellow, a, a fellow Clarence senior player. We don't we we don't have those kinds of discussions. Great job, well, fa- boys. Thanks, thanks for joining us man. again, Flash. We appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks, everyone. It's been another big week on the Jack and Painey Show. Jack, always a pleasure. Look forward to next week, mate, and, and good luck this week. Yeah, thanks, Painey. And uh, if you've missed anything today or you want to head, catch back up on it, head to sen.com.au to catch up on the podcast and all the highlights. And Kane Corns is up Love next him. for the captain's run, and he'll be the taking your calls. See you next week.